0: What's up, Broncos country? What's up, Broncos country?
1: It's Phil Lindsey.
2: Justin Simmons here.
1: This is Alexander Johnson. Hey, I'm Von Miller, and you're listening to The Neutral Zone.
2: Hello, and thank you for joining us here on The Neutral Zone. I am Phil Milani, joined, as always, by my partner in crime, my trusty sidekick. Really, the best way to describe this person is my everything. It's at Eric Delisle. Phil, good to be with you. It is good to be with you. Uh, Were you able to get any rest last night after uh, what transpired at Empower Field at Mile High? It was a restless
0: slumber.
2: Yes. As temperatures uh, were falling outside and the sunset, you were heating up inside.
0: No, I'm just kidding. I slept great, Phil. I uh, put it behind me. You got to gotta wash it away, which we'll do after this podcast. Uh, but internally, I've already, I've already washed it away. A game like that, um, you burn the tape, so to speak. Mm. See, I think there's a
2: lot to learn from the game.
0: Well, sure, so. yes. But I think uh, spending days and days and days fretting over a loss to the Chiefs, it's not going to do you a whole lot of good. But you're right, there's a lot to be learned.
2: Well, we're going to break down uh, our thoughts on what happened in the game. We'll hear from Vic Fangio, uh, his day after press conference. He said some interesting things, particularly about Drew Locke, Eric, that I think uh, are worth pointing out. And we'll also uh, hear uh, from a caller, a voicemail uh, that we got last night. So, uh, Eric, uh, let's go ahead and dive right in to our day after press or day after, I don't even know what you want to call that game, but the 43 to 16 debacle, maybe day after debacle podcast, our episode of the neutral zone, breaking down what happened. And Eric, the defense I thought came to play, but uh, the other two phases of the game really uh, could not match up against the Chiefs.
0: Yeah, in some ways, Phil, maybe that's the most frustrating part, is that for the first time, really, you you have held Mahomes to a manageable output. You know, I think I tweeted at one point that on the Chiefs' first seven possessions, I believe they had 13 points, and one of those was after the, uh, the Flea Flicker uh, I don't know what you want to call that. A tobacco is a good word for that too. Um, That gave them the ball at the, I believe the 14 yard line. So you gave up 13 points. The chiefs did not convert a third down. Uh, I think they sacked Mahomes three times, I believe. I mean, the defense, like you said, came to play, but you do that and you still lose by 27 points, which is the largest margin of victory in this now 10 game losing streak that, uh, to me, Phil, is just, it feels wasted, you know? And I think maybe that's why you saw some frustration from guys like Shelby Harris there toward the end of the game and just really from the defense in general. It's tough to go out and have a good game against the best quarterback in the league and still be not even in the game in the second half.
2: Yeah, because it's one thing to be in a tight game and then Patrick Mahomes does something crazy and you kind of just have to live with that. You just have to say, well, great players make great plays. And, uh, you know, if he's going to throw it left handed or if he's going to find Tyreek Hill for some crazy play, you just sort of uh, you can swallow that and move on to the next week. I think it's like you said, Eric, when you look at some of the numbers here, the Chiefs were 0 for 8 on third down. They did not convert a third down the entire game. And if you look at other areas, you know, just on the box score, you would have thought that maybe this was a closer game than it was. I mean, the Broncos dominated time of possession. They uh, threw for more yards. They ran for more yards, Um, more, more total plays. I mean, you just would have thought that this was uh, maybe a close game until you got down to turnovers, special teams, touchdown, and then you got a clearer picture. And Eric, to me, you knew going into this game, you needed to play. No, I wouldn't say a perfect game, but you needed to play a clean game. And the Broncos were anything but clean.
0: Right. And, you know, some of that the time of possession is misleading because the Chiefs scored two touchdowns that weren't on offense. And so two two possessions that the chiefs would have had are kind of wiped away there and they still managed to get 14 points, but you're right. They didn't have to be, Perfect. They were down 10 to six Melvin Gordon fumbles and the Broncos force a three and out and they get the ball back with the chance to take the lead again for the second time in that game late in the first quarter. And then drew lock throws a pick six. And then you're looking at, Hey, we've cut this game to 17 to nine. If we can get another stop, we're going to get the ball back before halftime. We can uh, cut this here to a one point game and you let them return a kickoff 102 yards for a touchdown. Even, Phil, at the beginning of the the second half, in the third quarter, Malik Reed sacks Patrick Mahomes on the first play of the second half. You you, you force a three and out. You have a chance there to drive down the field and cut it to a one-possession game. And at that point, I think, given everything that would have happened, you would have said, wow, we made every possible mistake we could have made in the first half, and we're still right in this football game. Instead, after getting two quick first downs, which I thought, Phil, you were able to do without really running a gimmick play, unless you want to count a KJ Hamler end around as a gimmick. And then you I go really. to, the, right, and then you go to the flea flicker, and the game is over as soon as Frank Clark dives on that football because now all of a sudden it's a three score game. And, you know they were never even close after that. So, your Phil, it just you know, they made too many mistakes, and while. I thought they were close enough that they could have survived a couple of them. Certainly can't survive all three of those major ones.
2: Yeah, and here's what uh, Vic Fangio had to say, Eric, to your question on Monday about uh, the Broncos' turnover problems.
1: Well, I think as a a team, we just need to fix our entire passing game. You know, we just haven't thrown it very efficiently the last two weeks, Um, and that's an 11-man operation. That's us as coaches. We're all in it together. And uh, we got to go to work on that, and it has to improve, no doubt about it. And as the quarterback, he's the main focus, as always, but I think we all need to keep in mind that it is an 11-man operation, and us as coaches are involved, too. And we've got to make improvements there. There's no two ways about that.
2: And I agree with him there, Eric. It, it, if it's minus one, you can try and stick around and get overcome that, but the – The problem is that it's minus three, and it's a trend, Erica. The Broncos are minus eight in turnover differential so far through six games. That's the second worst in the NFL. Only the Cowboys at minus 13 are worse. The Broncos have turned the ball over 14 times. The Cowboys are the only team that's worse than that, and they've turned the ball over 16 times, but they've played an additional game. So... The Broncos, it's it's not just like, oh, it was snowing or, oh, there was maybe a miscue here or there. This is a, a pattern, if you ask me, Eric.
0: No, I mean, it definitely is. And obviously, turnover margin has to do with how many turnovers you're forcing as well. And I think the Broncos would agree that they haven't done a good enough job in that area either. You know, I believe, uh, just looking at the numbers real quickly, they... Uh, you know, they're in the bottom 10 in the league. They've only forced six turnovers this year. That's not going to get it done either. And, you know, Phil, if, if you turn the ball over four times, but you've, you have two takeaways, maybe you can find a way to stay in it. But – and we saw the value, right, of when they were able to get a single takeaway. They went down and scored their only touchdown of the game – or excuse me, their their only real touchdown, because the one in garbage time, I think, hard to consider that the same way. But, I mean, that – that's the recipe here. And I asked Vic, is it just as simple as you have to be better in that area? And to me, it is, you know, if they can avoid turning the ball over, if they can get a couple uh, takeaways on defense, you're going to be in games, but otherwise, you know, you go from a situation here where you're just not going to be able to stay in games, especially against teams like the chiefs. And Phil, as much as he's a young guy and deserves time to grow i think and before firm before uh, finalizing a final evaluation on him a lot of that's on drew you know he has to be better than he was on sunday otherwise his team you know forget about beating a team like the chiefs are gonna have a hard time beating the chargers or going on the road and beating the falcons I mean, if he plays the way he did sunday it's not gonna happen
2: yeah i agree eric uh, let's uh transition a little bit here now and talk about drew lock and uh you know the game that he had against the chiefs uh vic fangio has asked about it on monday after looking at the tape what he saw and uh, here's what he had to say
1: that's always where you first look you know and anytime you're minus three and give up a kickoff return for a touchdown you know it's going to be hard you're going to be hard pressed to beat anybody let alone the chiefs so Yeah, I mean, we're turning the ball over. You know, last year when we did not turn it over that much, I think we've either turned it over the most or second most times in the league this year. and That's obviously an area that we've got to improve on, you know, because when you're – you can overcome minus one many times, but when you start getting minus two, minus three, and some of those going for pick six, you know, you got problems. It's going to be hard to win.
2: A pretty honest answer there, I thought, from Fangio. And the thing that was striking about it to me, Eric, is typically on these Mondays, when you ask about a specific player and how he played, Fangio likes to go to, he had a lot of good moments and a lot of bad moments. He had some ups and downs. Maybe he had some throws he'd like to have back. Those are the typical type of answers that we would hear from him. That was not the case on Monday. That was pretty honest saying, We need a full reevaluation of how we're operating on the offensive side of the ball, particularly the passing game.
0: Yeah, I mean, he did say on Sunday evening, afternoon, whatever you want to call it, that Drew had some ups and downs. So he got it, got it in there, Phil. Don't worry.
2: Yeah, but I'm saying after going over it and you know having a chance to collect his thoughts, this is the answer that he came back with. Yeah,
0: that's true. And you know, I don't think Drew would would say that he was very good Um, and I think things got worse Phil as the game went on and and really to me after that pick six you know I don't know um, what it was about that moment if it made him second guess what he was seeing out there uh, if it made him you know a little more hesitant to make some of these throws but early in the game he had a nice throw to to Tim Patrick he did he did just look a little off all game, though, Phil, I would say. You know, he kind of airmailed a couple throws to Noah Fant that could have been big third-down conversions there early in the game. Um, several times decided to pass up open guys at the first-down marker that would have continued drives. It almost seemed like he was he, – Phil, we talked about this after the game – he wanted so badly to win this game, whether that's because he feels like he has to match Patrick Mahomes, whether that's because he wants to beat the Kansas city chiefs, whether that's because he wants so desperately to be this team's franchise quarterback that he wants to do everything he can for his teammates, whatever the reason is he was clearly, and he, he admitted this, he was pressing. And so when that happens, I don't think you're going to get good results. And to me, Phil, the, the key now is how do you respond because you cannot allow, um, you know, obviously people said the box score against new England didn't reflect how he played, but you now have two consecutive games with poor passer ratings. Um, so how do you respond to this loss to Kansas city? Do you come out like he did last year after he played Kansas city and have a 99.6 quarterback rating and complete 75% of your passes and lead the team to a win? Or do you continue to struggle because so I'm not, I'm concerned about that game, but I'm not to the point where I'm like, we need to give up on Drew Locke today. But I think if you continue to see over the next two, three, four, five weeks that it's this same type of performance again and again, then I think you you start to get worried.
2: Uh, part of, you know, NFL season is going through these really high highs after beating like a new England and then coming back down to earth and going, you know, it's amazing over the course of a year, you know, one week after a win, you feel really great. The next week after a loss, you feel like the world's crashing. Reality is probably somewhere in the middle of that. But I would say, Eric, when you go back and look at the game, Drew Locke's mechanics were all over the place on the pick six. He's backpedaling his feet aren't set and he just thinks he's got the arm strength to get that ball to Noah Fant and he's locked into Fant the whole time too that's a pretty easy pick six if you ask me like uh there's a breakdown there for whatever reason it is where sometimes Locke is super accurate he's got good rhythm and pacing and his drop back and he can fire the ball in there but there's other times just where I don't know if it was the snow. I don't know if it was the opponent. If it was just a combination of everything, he doesn't feel. He don't. He doesn't look right. And even even at the end of the game, like it doesn't really matter. But like there was a throw to Royce Freeman. He just completely airmailed it. And to me, that starts with his feet. That starts with the balance. That starts with feeling comfortable in the pocket. And I think that there are times where he just doesn't look like he is, for whatever reason, like confident. Maybe he doesn't feel like that, or maybe he doesn't feel like he's, uh, he knows where to go with the ball. Uh, here's what Fangio had to say on Monday about Drew's progression and whether or not he gets locked in on a guy.
1: Many times, you know, his, his first look in there, I think his natural reaction sometimes is to flush out of the pocket You know, sometimes he needs to stay with the progression of going to two or three a little more than he has possibly. Um, And the only thing we're doing to try and correct that is continuing to work on it in practice. But um, he does a better job in practice for the most time, for the most part. Um, But obviously, games are different than practice. And, uh, you know, that's an area that he can improve on.
2: That to me was another pretty honest answer from Fangio. He's not going to go up there and blast, you know, one of his players here. He understands that he needs to stick up for his players, but, you know, I admitted that there are times where Locke doesn't feel like he's going to his second or third guy and Eric, I don't, maybe that's because he feels pressure to have to hit this deep shot and he's not just taking what the defense gives him uh, or, you know, it could just be, He's still young and he's still working through some of these things.
0: Yeah, and he mentioned that he he spoke to Dave Logan on KOA on Monday morning, and he said the coaches did show me. Yes, Drew Drew Drumont. Drumont. Yeah, yeah. He he said, you know, the coaches can show me two looks against a certain play, or they can show me three looks, but they can't show me five looks against every single play that we've got scripted or that we could possibly run during the game. And so he admitted, he needs to do more work, whether that's going to the field by himself later and going back through the script, going back through the game plan to make sure that he's thought through what happens if they blitz here, what happens if they're in cover three here, you know, what happens if they're in uh, you know, cover zero, like what are the different things you can expect against this type of play? And then what do you do? And to me, Phil, that does point to youth being a factor because a guy like Tom Brady or Peyton Manning, you've seen everything. So when you get to the line of scrimmage and they're in something you haven't seen before, you know, on that rare occasion, you can say, okay, well, maybe I haven't seen this exact defense, but I kind of uh, have a good sense for how this might play out or here's what I do against something similar. Here's how an earlier play would work. Drew to me, I think is still learning the intricacies of the offense and how to attack certain coverages it seems like the Chiefs just had a good scheme against him. And so the the bigger concern to me is that you talk about last year, right? I mean, he was not perfect by any means. He threw a pick against the Chargers that almost cost him the game. He, uh, he was certainly not great against the Lions when they struggled to score in the first half. Um, you look back to the Raiders, and they almost blew the end of that game. But he made each game two, three, four plays that – won him the game, you know, against the Chargers. Those were the two touchdowns in the first quarter against the lions. He made some good plays in the fourth quarter to help them take the lead and and come from behind yesterday and really against new England, with the exception of maybe a couple plays, he's made those mistakes, but you haven't seen the same positive plays to balance it out. And eventually you want to get to the point, Phil, where those positive plays far outnumber the negative plays and, not worrying about those but right now you've got to expect that drew's going to throw an interception that he's going to make a bad read that he's going to overthrow somebody at times because you're right he isn't quite consistent and some of that comes with just time playing the game but if but he's got to find a way to still make those positive plays to kind of balance those out otherwise the broncos are going to be in trouble
2: and you know uh the other thing is learning the flow of the game and understanding okay here's what i think the defense is trying to do here here's here's you know the defense has a game plan here's what they're trying to do let's adjust you know in the game where we're saying look we're getting a lot of production on the ground we need to adjust what we're trying to do here or, or let's just uh, not panic and try and hit a, a, a bomb here let's just stay with what's working what they're giving us and you know, you mentioned it earlier here, Eric. I thought there were times where guys underneath were open. You know, Noah Fant was open a bunch of times. Uh, some of these other wide receivers are open, where maybe they're not the first option. Maybe they've taken away the deep bomb. But you got to just be able to say, let's just get four yards and play the next down. You know, let's just keep moving the chains. Let's keep some some momentum going. And they were certainly getting that with Philip Lindsay. And, you know, when he left the game with a concussion, they were, they had to turn to Melvin Gordon. By that point, they were down. They felt like they needed to get a a spark, maybe. You know, each game takes on such a personality, but it just felt like maybe they were unwilling to adjust.
0: Yeah. And uh, talking about situational awareness, I mean, going back to that drive when they're trailing 17 to six as the first half's coming to a close, if you get a touchdown there, the game is entirely different and you go all the way down to the Kansas city 25 and it's third and four. And instead of just, you know, finding a way to get those four yards, he's looking deep for Noah Fant, And I believe it was like a 15, 20 yard pass, which would have been great. You would have been, you know, near the goal line. It would have set him up and I don't want to take Drew's entire game away from him because he's a guy that likes to to take shots and is going to make big plays. And Phil, so we've spent plenty of time on this podcast over the last few years, lamenting the fact that the Broncos have an offense that requires you to go three yards, four yards, five yards, three yards, five yards, and didn't have that big play potential. And obviously now they do, but you've got to kind of marry those two, the smart decisions with the big plays. And they've got to figure it out quickly because Phil, if you beat the Chargers, this the kind of the sting of this loss, I don't know if it goes away completely, but you, know, you understand that hey, you can still be competitive here and still be in the mix if you don't beat the Chargers and you are looking at yourself at two and five, then really the rest of the season in some ways just becomes about evaluation.
2: Yeah, I mean, you don't want to get too down after, you know, a game where you made a bunch of mistakes against the defending Super Bowl champions. I think the more of the problem is when you look at the whole picture and that it's 10 in a row against a divisional opponent, you know, and you add in just the history behind everything and the loss things a little bit more, but, I, uh, I agree, Eric, uh, uh, you know, next week's game is important. If they can get a win there, you feel better about things. Uh, you know, it's against another division opponent and, you know, you can really turn, turn the page, but, uh, you know, Eric, you talk about the explosion that the Broncos have added into the offense. Part of that is getting the ball to the playmakers that you've added. Part of that is getting the ball to Jerry Judy, you know, and to me, sometimes the mental part of the game needs to be weighed in. And, you know, maybe some players like to just get in the mix early, you know, hit just a screen a screenplay, maybe it's an end around, maybe it's just something where it's an easy, easily executable play that gets a player involved in the game right away, gets them feeling good, gets them engaged, you know, and the more you can do that with more of these you guys like Jerry Judy, KJ Hamler, Noah Fant, then I think you're going to find more success naturally. You know, Jerry Judy you know, can't just be catching two passes. You know, I I don't think that that's a recipe for success here. You know, uh, I don't think it's great when Judy's only targeted four times. You know, he's the 15th overall pick. Get him the ball in space and see if he can make a play. You know, KJ Hamler was targeted three times. These guys need to have the ball in their hands a little bit more.
0: Well, I mean, I agree with you to some extent, Phil, but they've got to eliminate their mistakes too. You know, these guys, Vic Fangio talked about it on Monday. He said that Judy needs to eliminate these mental mistakes and execution mistakes because there were times on Sunday, Phil, where I think of one pass in particular, you could tell Judy had no idea what was going on Mm. before the snap. He didn't know the play. He didn't know where he was supposed to run. And then Drew Locke looks for him down the seam and Judy just stops running. I mean, Mm. he pulled up and instead of maybe being a 20, 25 yard completion, who knows if you complete it or not, because there were two defenders in the area, but instead of having a chance at it, it's almost picked off because Judy doesn't know what he's doing. So, you know, I don't want to, you know, bash him for that, but this is, I'm sure that they would love to get Jerry Judy the ball and and they can probably make a better effort at doing that. I'm not sure if it's something the defenses are doing to take it away. I'm not sure if it's Locke's uh, decision-making on the field. I mean, he threw to the right side of the field, Far, far more than he did to the left side of the field yesterday. And so I don't know if that's a, it wasn't spread out the way it had been. Uh, but, you know, listen, Judy has to know what he's doing and he has to, he can't have those mistakes because you're right. As a 15th overall pick, there are higher expectations for him and can they get in the ball more? Sure, but he needs to do a better job as well. And then you look at the other guys around you. I mean, that pass was behind KJ Hamler on the interception but he got both hands on it. And it, I think it all hit off the chest too. You know, like he needs to make that catch. You think about Melvin Gordon, who is a veteran running back and you brought in as your biggest name, offensive free agent. He's got to hold onto the football. I mean, Drew Locke, I think can lead this offense, but he is not Peyton Manning. He's not Aaron Rodgers. He is not Tom Brady. He needs help from these guys around him. And I think, Yesterday, as Vic Fangio said, it was a complete failure of the offense. It wasn't just Drew. A lot of the attention falls on Drew Locke, and it should because he's the quarterback and he gets the attention when they win. But a lot of people had poor games yesterday. And so that, to me, Phil, is important to remember that, you know, you can say, like, hey, he's got to get the ball to Judy or he's got to get the ball to Noah Fant or, like, Philip Lindsay should keep carrying the ball. I don't disagree with any of those things, but the pieces around Drew have to be better
2: as well. Yeah, and it takes the whole offense. And Fanjo said it. It's an 11 man operation out there. So it takes everybody. I just think that maybe if you can get these guys into a rhythm earlier in the game, get them feeling engaged and part of it, I think you're going to see better results there. And of course, that's on every individual to look at themselves in the mirror and say, what can I be doing better? How can I step my game up a little bit better? But I just feel like if you get them more involved early, you're going to get them more engaged. They're going to be more active. They're going to be, you know, they're going to give the defense something to think about. I guess all I'm saying is that in order to get to this team to be more explosive, like everybody's been talking about all season long, all off season, because of these additions, they've got to be in, in the game. It's not just going to happen. No, I know.
0: But like on the second play of the game yesterday, Jerry Judy jumps off sides. Yeah, it should should never happen as a wide receiver. You hear that people talk about that all the time. A wide receiver should never have a false start because you should be watching the ball. And he instantly puts them behind the chains at second and 16 and they go three and out and they're down a touchdown before you blink. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the sort of thing. Get him involved. I love that. But when you make mistakes like that, and therefore your drives cannot continue and you can't stay on the field and you can't, you know, you don't have, you have a three play drive instead of a 10 play drive, then your chances to get the ball to Judy or Hamler or Noah Noah fans or whoever else those go down because you're running fewer plays. And so, you know, all of those things kind of work together. And, you know, if you're a Broncos offensive player this week, you've got to think, my physical execution has to be better, but also the mental mistakes have got to stop. You know, there was a, I think it was in the second half, there was a 12 men on the field penalty at one point. I mean, that's just that should be inexcusable. Right. And that that was first and 10 on the 50. And instead of, you know, you're driving, you've got good momentum, and now it's first and 15. And you're just, you're backed up in a way that you shouldn't be just because of a mental mistake.
2: And what do you attribute that to, Eric? What, what about these mis- miscues? I mean, is it lack of practice time? Is it just young team? Is it, what is it? Well,
0: I think in the second half, some of it is just like you're flustered. You want so badly to make this work. You know, you're trying to fight back. You're doing a little too much. You know, Like the Melvin Gordon, I'm sure in practice, he tosses that right to Drew Locke's chest every single time he throws that. And in the game, because, you know, you want it to work and you're trying to make sure you get it off, he just throws it over Drew's head. Uh, you know, that to me is maybe just you're trying too hard to make something happen. Some of it, I think, is is concentration. You you look at a, that first false start by Jerry Judy. I mean, you just got to be locked in from the beginning more than that. And, Phil, so we talk all the time about – or not all the time, but we've talked before about how some of these guys from great programs – they know how to win and you know the things that come with winning and how that's in my opinion at least like an important foundation to build this team when you think about guys like jerry judy and lloyd cushionberry uh but another thing is like jerry judy probably is used to hey if i have a a false start on the first play of the game and it's alabama ole miss we're gonna be okay you know the maybe the mentality here
2: taking a shot at ole miss just like yeah. that, casual,
0: casual blast Sorry. of all Sorry, Lane. Sorry, Lane. But the, uh, you know, now, especially against a team like the Chiefs, and Phil, listen, this is all, if you make those mistakes against uh, the Jets, for example, which they did, they did make those mistakes against the Jets, you're still in the game and you win the game. This is, this is magnified because the Chiefs are probably the best team in the league, and for whatever reason, they have your number right now. And so every little mistake is just going to get blown up. But if you're going to beat a team like that, you can't have it. And so that's, you know, kind of where I'm coming from with that.
2: But like this didn't happen the week earlier in New England. Special teams was crisp. Well, but-
0: I mean, they were really close in New England to having a punt block. It went right through the guy's hand. And if that happens, you know, Drew Locke, through two fourth quarter interceptions. You know, the defense uh, late in the game struggled to contain Cam until that last drive. I mean, they're, you know, no game, you're never going to play a perfect football game. I just but think you're that,
2: saying this is happening all the time, even in the wins.
0: To some extent or another, yeah. And I think against a lesser opponent, you overcome it. And when Drew Locke makes those positive plays to go along with the negative ones because you think against new England, he makes that 35 yard pass to, to Tim Patrick. He's able to make a couple other good third down throws. The one to Albert. O. I mean, that was a nice play. Those are the sorts of things that help you overcome the mistakes, the sequences, right, Phil, that we've talked about all season, the Broncos against the Patriots. When there were bad sequences, they responded with several good plays in a row.
2: It didn't happen against Kansas City for the most part. Uh, and this is probably driving Vic Fangio crazy because I think we all remember when he was hired, one of the things that you know was infamously said at that press conference was death by inches, Eric. And that's what's happening to this football team, it seems like, uh, except sometimes the inches are more like feet when it's a pick six or a return for a touchdown. But some of the things you're mentioning, the offsides, you know, little things here and there, they're starting to add up. And against guess the chiefs, it turns into a 43, 16 loss, maybe against the Patriots, you narrowly escape with a win against the jets you win, but this team has too much talent, too much capability to continue to play like this. I mean, if they, it, it feels like if they correct those things, especially with the way the defense is playing, they're capable of beating some good teams.
0: Yeah, no, 100%. If they play crisp football and clean football like they did for most of the New England game, I mean, that'll i say three quarters against New England, you pretty much played clean, crisp football. If you do that, you can beat the Chargers, you can beat the Falcons, you can beat the Raiders, you can beat the Dolphins. And Phil, if you do that every week, you can do that all in a row. You can win all four of those games and be sitting here at six and four instead of two and four. But... If you play the way you did Sunday with those types of mistakes, I'm not saying you're going to go 0-4, oh, but the likelihood of being able to rattle off three of those four or, or all four of them are drastically less just because you don't have, again, you don't have the margin for error that you need to make all those mistakes and still consistently win. Now, that's not to me, that's not to say that they can't play that way. And it is a young team, so you expect them to be a little bit up and down. We're not expecting perfection every week. You just have to be better. Uh, I, w- I will say though, Phil, that I saw something on Twitter yesterday that for this team, they were saying the options are to either go two and fourteen or to go nine and seven and not be competitive in a playoff game, in which case you should just go two and fourteen. I vehemently disagree with that. this I, team don't don't give credibility to some of these tweets, Eric. I, I mean, this team needs the experience of playing in competitive football games down the stretch of the season. That means something. And maybe you go nine and seven this year and you get blown out in a playoff game. Maybe you go eight and eight and you just miss out. Or maybe you, you know, maybe even go seven and nine and that's rebounding by going, what, seven and six down the stretch and playing winning football. Those things are important for a young team to stack up. You can't just say, well, if we're not going to win the Super Bowl, we should just have the number one pick.
2: No. I think that this team needs to get away from turning to the draft in terms of trying to improve and just actually develop and grow and mature. You know, I think that uh, you know, with regards to Drew Locke, when you look at his physical tools, they're elite. You know, he's he's athletic. He can get out of the pocket. We saw him run in for that touchdown. We know he's got a strong arm. He's got to work on the mechanics, but we know that the tools are there. And when you have a player like that, it's worth giving time to develop and grow and learn and get a feel for the game and understand the mental aspects. And then you're going to improve as an organization. But Eric, I think that when I'm sensing in your voice how I'm feeling, There is frustration there because the talent is there, but when it's little things that continue to pile on and it's sloppiness and it's mental errors and that kind of thing, frustration sets in and you saw it on the sideline. And I think that uh, you see it a little bit from the fans. Let's uh, get to our uh, voicemail this week. Uh, I'll go ahead and play that now.
1: Hey Phil, Eric Cody Rourke here. Hey, just take a look at this Broncos team after a 43-16 loss to the Kansas City Chiefs. The one message I think that the Broncos can hang their hat on, they have a formula on offense that can work. They can get the running game going. Obviously getting Philip Lindsay back this week out of concussion protocol is
0: going to be a big question mark. But for Drew Locke, this is going to be a big game for him. Can he respond after, can he respond after the performance that we saw? on Sunday. That's going to be a big key, I think for him and for the direction of his Broncos team down the stretch
2: the rest of the way. Thanks to, uh, our friend, uh, Cody Roark. They're calling in, uh, that is not Adam Schefter. That's Cody Roark, the host of a uh, locked on Broncos. So, uh, the pro football network media talent there, Cody Roark. So, Hey, uh, uh, a friend of the podcast. So thanks for calling in there, Cody. Appreciate that. But, I think I think he's right, Eric. It's something that we've talked about. How is Drew going to respond? How is his team going to respond heading into next week?
0: Yeah, and because you can view this one or two ways. You can say, you know, this was a fluke. We played really poorly, uh, and we're not going to let that happen again. You know, these wins against the Jets and the Patriots show that we're still in this thing, and if we get a win against the Chargers, you know, we've won three of four. All our goals are still ahead of us. We are right where we need to be. That's the right attitude to have. The improper attitude to have and one that could happen is kind of a, you know, oh, man, we thought we had two good wins. New England ends up getting blown out in San Francisco. We prep all week for Kansas City and we just get shellacked. And, you know, like, we're just not built for this. And you lose to the Chargers and you sit at two and five and things are tough. So I don't think based on everything we've seen from a Vic Fangio coach team that they will respond in that latter fashion. You know, they've all always, whenever they on rare occasion have had a clunker of a game. And really, in my opinion, it's just these two chiefs games. And then, you know, the Tampa game with um, a backup quarterback, I guess you could argue Buffalo was, but I think that was more circumstances of the game, but Phil, listen, I mean, Drew can – it seems like every week we're going to be talking about a different narrative with Drew. Last week it was he played well, the stat sheet didn't reflect it. Last year it was this guy is is the guy who could potentially be the future. Now, whether it's in columns or whatever, it's Drew will have to substantially change who he is or else he won't be the guy. And hopefully we're sitting here next Monday talking about, wow, Drew responded in a great way but certainly the pressure is on him to to play much better than he did in week seven.
2: Eric, you mentioned that game against the Patriots. That was in Foxborough with the 49ers winning 33 to six. So that was a blast job and it makes that Broncos win uh, in New England not look quite as impressive. But yeah, I agree with you, Eric. Every week in NFL, the narrative is changing. And I think that we on this podcast talked last week about, okay, say you don't beat the Chiefs. What would it take to still feel like there was some uh, positive, you know, to take out of it and feel good about the momentum. We didn't really see that. It wasn't a competitive game. It wasn't in the fourth quarter or something up on the line, you know, and I think that the bottom line is we just need to see growth and maturity and, and advancement from Drew and the entire passing game. And then you'll say, okay, well, look, he did it. You know, and that narrative can change completely again next week, depending on how he plays against the Chargers, you know, and Eric, I don't know if you remember this, but a couple of weeks ago, we talked about getting attention for Drew Locke and we brought up Justin Herbert. Well, if Drew feels pressure to try and beat Kansas city and he's gone head to head with Patrick Mahomes and this and that, here's an opportunity for him to come back a week later and go head to head with Justin Herbert and say, look, I'm still one of these young gunslingers who's on the rise here. You know, this is an opportunity for him to bounce back and and change the way uh, people talk about him.
0: No, definitely. It's, you know, as much as this would have been a prove it game against the chiefs for drew lock to show who he is. This next one is too because you can show that you're not a guy that's going to get stuck in this slump and not play well. You can show that, Hey, I'm, I'm still a, a young quarterback with potential and feel as excited as everyone was around here for the potential to get to three and three. If you beat the chargers the next week, we're talking about the same thing. You know, here's a potential to get back to 500 and it's a week later with an added loss, but still uh, that possibility creeping next to 500 and staying there as long as you can and then trying to build on it. That's, that's really important for this team. And so that's why, you know, at the very beginning I said, you've got to just, you've got to wash this one away and you can't spend time dwelling on everything that went wrong for too, for too long, make the corrections. But if you just spend all week thinking, man, we let an opportunity slip away. We got um, our butts kicked, that sort of thing. You know, you're, you're setting yourself up to lose again to the chargers and letting the chiefs beat you twice, which you cannot do.
2: Yeah. Learn from this game, make some adjustments. It sounds like maybe there's going to be some significant adjustments coming to the offensive side of the ball and uh, you know, get set for another divisional opponent, another game at home, another opportunity to uh, change the narrative. Eric guy, Let's get to uh, some shout outs. Let's close the episode up here a little bit. A couple of housekeeping items to just touch on real quickly, though. uh, I know, Eric, that you love injuries, so we can uh, chat about that a little bit. Mike Purcell, the run stuffer in the interior of that defensive line, just got a new contract, is going to miss the rest of the season. We found out on Monday due to a Liz Frank injury. And then uh, a couple of other guys, uh, Deontay Spencer is going to be day-to-day, Tim Patrick day-to-day, and Derek Tuska day-to-day. Uh, Fangio said that he wasn't sure if those guys will be able to make it this week for the Chargers game. And then, of course, uh, Philip Lindsay is in the concussion protocol.
0: Yeah, Purcell's a big loss. Vic really wasn't asked how they're going to replace him. But um, obviously that'll be interesting to to see what happens there and – They're going to miss him. He's an underrated guy that I think if you pay attention to this team, you know that he's really important, but no one nationally is going to talk about the loss of Mike Purcell, but, um, the Broncos run defense to be frank was just poor last year before Mike Purcell entered the lineup. And so they're going to have to, uh, find a way to adapt and, and continue to stop the run because there's still some good backs left on the schedule.
2: Yes, there are. And, uh, maybe a Sylvester Williams or somebody like that who, uh, you know, every every week it seems like guys are bouncing back and forth between the practice squad and the, you know, active roster. Maybe he's a guy who uh, might find a permanent spot on the active squad here, um, Eric. But uh, let's get to some shout-outs. You got any shout-outs? I don't know if we have anything to uh, – you got a player of the game maybe?
0: A player of the game? I guess Philip Lindsay. I mean, he – was impressive when he played, had, I think, two or three, certainly two, maybe three, runs of over 10 yards. And Phil, all offseason, we talked about, can Melvin Gordon help him return to being that explosive guy? I mean, I think it's clear that not having to carry the load every single play has helped Lindsey stay fresh, and he looked good. And after the fumble issues from Melvin, I would think you'd want to lean on Philip a little more if he's able to clear concussion protocol in time for Sunday.
2: Yeah. I mean, he definitely, uh, he had a great game. I felt like he uh, provides a just a burst of energy and a positive mindset that sometimes you need. Eric, I, I would say maybe Bradley Chubb for me. He had a, he had a sack. He was in the backfield a lot. And one of the things we've seen over the years is Patrick Mahomes, when he gets pressure is very difficult to bring down. I thought Chubb did a pretty nice job of that, uh, you know, on the one sack that he had and, you know, that entire defense, really, you never saw, I mean, Tyree Kill had a touchdown there, but he didn't get, you know, going crazy. They didn't give up any really major explosives and uh, against that chief's team. that's a that's a really good job. So a job well done there. and I thought the secondary, you know Travis Kelsey didn't kill him, you know, guys that over the years are just thorns in the side of this Broncos defense, never really did anything crazy so and maybe that was part of that due to the course of the game chiefs didn't really feel like they had to do something like that so
0: um oh i mean that's and that's part of the issue right that you held Mahomes in check you held tyreek hill in check you held travis kelsey in check and it didn't matter i mean who knows what would happen in the second half of a different game but so we talked about it during the game, Mahomes just looks so nonchalant back there. You know, they get sacked, they go off the field. It doesn't, it doesn't matter to them. You know, they, they know they can come back from it. And, uh, Mahomes didn't even really have to do a whole lot yesterday.
2: That's what I'm saying is that if that game was competitive, maybe it's a little bit of a different story where they're attacking and they're going for it and they're busting out plays that we've never seen before and whatnot. But, um, Alas, the Broncos uh, here sit here at two and four. Ironically, Eric, maybe not so ironically, the same record they had last season at this point. So, uh, something to think about for you there for our listeners. But, uh, Eric, uh, any last thoughts here before we uh, wrap this bad boy up?
0: Just that last year's two and four was followed by a trip, a visit from the Chiefs, whereas this two and four includes a visit from the Chiefs. So, hopefully, uh, you get to three and four this weekend and instead of going to two and five and you, you kind of see how the two seasons, how their trajectories can change. But right now, Phil, you're not going to be a lot of teams playing the way the Broncos did on Sunday.
2: Yeah, agreed, agree. Agreed. And I think that they know that. And I think that, uh, what do they say, Eric, a 24 hour rule. Yep. I think we're still safe uh, talking the way we've talked within that 24 hours, but there's going to be a totally new tone from us come Thursday morning when we uh, release the next edition of the neutral zone, where we look ahead to a big matchup against Justin Herbert and the LA chargers until then for I'm Phil Milani. You've been listening to the neutral Neutral Zone. zone.